Welcome, everyone, to Beyond the Panel, brought to you by Balancing Life's Issues, the Business Council of Westchester, and Westchester's ultimate headhunter, the Headless Horseman. I'm your host, Kai, and we're here to give the Talent Tuesday panelists an opportunity to follow up and dive a little deeper into the subject matter they recently spoke to on the webinar. Today, we are talking to Sarah jones Maturo. Sarah has been president of RM Friedland LLC since November of 2015, where she oversees a team of brokerage and staff professionals. Her primary focus is on training her staff and brokers to reach their maximum potential. Her focus there has gotten RM Friedland to be the largest privately held commercial real estate brokerage company in Westchester County. In addition, she is the chairwoman of the Westchester Community Foundation and board member of the Business Council of Westchester. Welcome to the program, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Kai. It's nice to have you. So tell us a little more about what your company does in Westchester County. We're focused on Westchester County, but we also cover the areas of the outer boroughs and the lower Hudson Valley and Fairfield County, really in you know commercial real estate brokerage. We're the, the largest in, in Westchester of what we do. And we work with landlords and occupiers of property on essentially their, their real estate strategy. And we cover all the different asset types, industrial, retail, office, um, multifamily development sites. So we're really, you know, looking to help people maximize their goals on their real estate strategies. Got it. So tell us a little more about how how you help maximize those kinds of things. I know you joined in 2015. So what kind of ideas did you kind of bring to help elevate Friedland <laughs> to where it is today? Yeah, and I'd love to edit that maximize part because that was not that I fumbled over that a tiny bit. Yeah. Essentially, before uh, I joined Arm Friedland in 2015, I spent uh, about 12 years as a transactional broker myself on the office side in New Jersey, actually at CBRE, which is a a large global company. And then when I came to RM Friedland in 2015, at the time, the the company was incredibly successful on the industrial brokerage side, um, working primarily with um, sellers of, of industrial buildings and, you know, achieving kind of maximum sale price for their buildings. You know, 2015, we really fortified our retail division, which works with primarily retail landlords on leasing out their vacant retail space. And then subsequently, we we had an, a tremendous investment sales team join that, that focuses on selling assets across all different types. So, you know, whether it's a multifamily building that's cash flowing or a development site where we're trying to sell to a buyer that will, um, you know, maximize and and sort of understand the highest and best use of the property. And, you know, recently, about three years ago, we started an office division with one of the most prominent office brokers in Westchester County, which I know is going to be a subject of conversation today Uh and, and all of that. So it's an interesting, interesting segue. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of vacancies, you know, before we get into the home versus office, did your companies kind of see a market shift based off of this work from home shift that we saw other businesses like like having these empty spaces that nobody was working in i would say there have been different periods in the the cycle that has happened since the the shutdown so you know we we went from you know march of 2020 no one was in the office except essential workers um basically the the entire you know sort of office building community was was substantially shut down and at that point you know the office market it was just in a bit of like a freeze. So there was that period of time and then people started to slowly come back. Then people started to, you know, there are some companies that said, all right, um, we're going to entertain a hybrid model where 50% of the people come in half the week, the other 50% come in the other half the week and we can never be at full occupancy. 
And then we've kind of, you know, gotten to this, you know, period of time where there are some companies that have said, okay, we're going to reduce the overhead and people can work remotely. And then there are other companies that have said, you know, we need less space, but we want to keep our space because we're going to pursue a hybrid model. And then you have other companies who want their employees back, but some still can't get them back successfully. The office market, you know, from a demand side has definitely struggled because of the first two things that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've certainly seen that in Westchester, but less so than in the urban markets. The urban markets have really suffered significantly. Oh, but you are one of those companies that decided to bring everybody back. Can you tell us a little bit about that decision? Yes. You know, it was an interesting cadence of events from our, from my perspective, because in January of 2020, I signed a, a new lease to expand slightly. Excellent timing. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic timing. <laughs> Um, and not by a lot, fortunately. So March to June, obviously everyone, we weren't an essential business. So we were shut down working entirely from home. And then in June, um, basically my director of operations and I said, all right, we're going to bring at least the staff back, which is only about 25% of our workforce. The balance are brokers who are independent contractors. And, but we're going to do it on a rotating basis. So everybody feels safe. So we had kind of like a blue team and a red team. And there were brokers that were assigned mm, to the red team, brokers that were assigned to the blue team. And we continued that for about nine months. And then we went back to the staff being fully in five days a week. And the brokers could come in five days a week. But you know, some of them did and some of them didn't. Got it. Tell us about some of the benefits uh, that you've you've seen since Because I think, and you may have felt this, but you were certainly not the majority on the webinar Mm -hmm. when we were talking about, you know, the home versus office versus hybrid, because it does seem like you're, well, I think your company is entirely in office. So Mm -hmm. just, you know, tell us about some of the benefits you've seen uh, with that model. Well, I will say we're not a, we're not 100% in office. Oh, okay, great. Thanks for clarifying. Office, but the brokers, you know, are they really dictate their own schedules because they're independent contractors, sure. but and the brokerage model is is, you know, you're you use you have a home base um, whether that be your home base is your office, or your home base is your office, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then as you know, you you go to client meetings, you go to pitches, you you show Right. Stuff all of that kind of stuff. So you're always in and out of the office. But what I asked of the brokers was that everybody, you know, I encouraged them to ever to everyone please use the office as their base of operations. Gotcha. Uh, so this connection is more con- consistent. Right. And, you know, some of them do and some of them don't, but it, the majority do. Uh, the staff has been in, you know, five days a week. And, and the, the benefit of having the staff anchored here is that, you know, when the broker's need to put together a presentation. They need to, you know, put together a closed deal file for invoicing. They need, you know, mm-hmm. Word or Excel work done. The staff is here and they know where to find them. And, and that's been a benefit. But also just having, you know, even a critical mass of brokers in the office, there's information sharing. Right. What happens that leads to more deal flow. Mm-hmm. Um, training is much more advantageous, advantageous in person. And as I said on the panel, I find, and I think almost everyone in my office agrees with this, things just get done so much faster and more effectively yeah. mm-hmm. in person. Like you, right. you go in the conference room, you, you bang out an outline, you know, you start building a presentation as opposed to Zoom calls and emails and call conference calls. And it's just, it's it's faster and more efficient in person in, in my experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think a lot of people would probably agree with that statement that we're more efficient, you know, depending on the business model, right? But mm-hmm. to what you're saying, like with creative and marketing, 
you know, kind of being in that room together, pitching ideas, you know, I could see, I think we can all see how the benefits of being in person for that. But I guess when we're kind of talking to employees who are employers who are kind of balancing, you know, which, which model to go after. And it seems like your company was really conscious about a slow rollout, right? It wasn't just a return to work immediately. And, you know, I think I'm sure your employees really appreciated that because everyone is in a different stage of life. But did, did you find that there were employees who wanted to work from home and then and, and then just couldn't? So the staff, um, they all were fine working in the office. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, you know, there were some that, that I would say were more conscious about masking. Well, I mean, we had very strict rules about masking and COVID mm-hmm. testing and all of that stuff. So I think people felt comfortable with those parameters, you know, temperature checks, all that kind of stuff. But but I think there were a couple that were more concerned about COVID than than others. So we were all very respectful of that. But everyone was willing to come back. I mean, no one, you know, I think there's also, you know, I mean, if you're in an, an environment where people are, are respectful of one another and you're not commuting for an hour and a half or an hour on a crammed train, yeah. right? And you're just driving 15 minutes to the office and it's a pleasant environment and you work more productively there with fewer interruptions, I think people are willing to, to do that. Yeah, absolutely. We didn't see a lot of opposition to that, certainly not on the staff side. And sure. on the brokerage side, there are some people that, you know, definitely are not coming in four or five days still. But but that fact, their fact, like one of them lives in Putnam County, another, you know, few of them mm-hmm. live in New Jersey. So that's, again, more of about, you know, leaving a commute rather than a built office. Yeah situation. Yeah. And you had mentioned that on the webinar and it kind of light bulb went off in my head because you, you had kind of mentioned like, did people really, they leave their job or do they leave their commute? And especially right. in this area, right? I think we're yeah. very much talking about Westchester County. I was that person. My wife and I, we moved out of the city. We breezed right over Westchester because we knew it'd be too expensive, which is a lot about what these webinars are talking about, right? Is how are we retaining people close right. in Westchester County and getting right. people like myself to consider it as, as a place mm-hmm. to land. But yeah, I wasn't going to be commuting into Brooklyn five days a week mm-hmm. to help manage, you know, the role I had at that time. So that's mm-hmm. when I had to make that change. But yeah, I really appreciated that because I think so many people are in that position in this area. The idea of commuting a couple hours to go to the office as opposed to 20 minutes is a huge difference, right? Huge, huge difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my husband is one of those people. He, you know, we live in Westchester and we're not even, you know, we're, we're pretty close by, by Westchester standards to the city, but it's still by the, like from the time he leaves our front door to get to the time he gets to his office is still an hour and a half. And wow. in his mind, he's like, you know, that is just, you know, three hours a day of just wasted time. A lot. So it's, you know, I think that that's what people are really grateful grappling with Mm -hmm. you know and and what was interesting to me was so we did have some employee attrition um in 2023 some staff attrition which we hadn't had in my entire eight years here really we had you know maybe one or two you know staff members leave over that entire time and already in in 2023 we had one retire and two leave and the two that left um were one went left for a fully remote job even though he's based in westchester and the other 
left her commute because she was she was uh-huh. commuting from Fairfield, Connecticut. And when we went went to replace those people, the people we replaced them with, um, you know, not only because they had fantastic resumes, but also because one of them lives, you know, two minutes from the the office, mm-hmm. the other one lives five minutes, and they wow. were attracted to us as well right. because of that proximity. Because of that proximity, yeah. and you know, I've, I've talked with so many business owners <laughs> like about this idea of like what we went through, how it changed the workforce, how it created employee demands that may be simmering arguably throughout. And this just kind of exposed those kinds of things. But I think for a company like yours to make that decision, that's your decision. And when you're hiring somebody, which is the point of of this, these webinars and these follow-ups is to to be transparent about that and just to be aware of maybe certain types of employees you won't be gaining attraction towards. And that's just okay. It's just a conscious effort um, on the employer. So when we look at like the generational differences of like what certain people are asking, you know, like when we first hopped on, you congratulated me about my upcoming baby. Like the fact that I do have a, an at-home option is hugely financially is financially beneficial for my wife and I as you know we can delay daycare so like and that's just where I'm at at this point in my right, life right? right it's gonna be very different a year from now and that's just a long way of asking of like what kind of like flexibility or I don't know if that's the right word for you guys do you kind of build in to this to the office culture or or maybe the or maybe you haven't at all no I mean I think that just you know comes down to again a, an office culture a company culture that that really values you know respect mm-hmm. um of the the individual that works you know as part of the team and and you know people you know if they have a family emergency they have a son that's sick they have doctor's appointments i mean those kinds of things like you know again the brokers they do what they want on that stuff they they do typically tell me what they're doing but it's um again they're independent contractors but with the staff of course you know what am i going to say to you yeah No, right. you can't think for that family emergency. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, yeah. I trust you. You're you're a good worker and you're not going to, you know, try to get one by me. Like mm-hmm. if you have, you know, something you have to deal with, go for it. You know, that's, that's fine. So I think th- there's that kind of flexibility built in just, you know, when people have things that come up and to the extent that, you know, someone has like a death in the family or, or something like that. I mean, there's always that kind of flexibility, but right. we just have an in-office culture first. That's, yeah. that's, you know, that's just what what we do. You know, when people have extenuating circumstances, that's always, you know, a consideration that we that we have to address. And I think usually that's done very graciously. And, and, and I think the employees are happy with that kind of flexibility. Absolutely. You know, that's encouraging because we're going to keep having this conversation. And, you know, really just to drill home the idea that it is based off the employer, their culture to lead with that transparency. So an employee knows what they're getting into, but to be empathetic about what we've all lived and felt the last few years, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this idea of flexibility, which I don't know, it almost feels outside of like the legalities, right? Of as an employee, you're required to do in this state. Mm-hmm. But as someone who cares about their employee, what kind of policies are you building for better work-life balance? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So if there's a business out there who's listening to this, who wants to kind of go towards more more of a, a design like your company, is there one thing you could maybe recommend or maybe a resource to to go seek out uh, that would kind of help them 
kind of build some of this infrastructure? I, I mean, I think, I don't know if there's a resource. I mean, I think that one of the ways to get employees back to the office and be excited about coming into the office comes down to the people. You have to, you have, to have a, a nice environment and, and people that you enjoy working with. But it's also, you know, one of the things we are seeing is a lot of employers are moving their, their office to buildings that have great amenities for mm. their employees to enjoy and, and feel, you you know, excited about working, you know, in a, in a building that, that offers all of those amenities. Help be part of creating an attractive place to work. Exactly. Right. That's great. I love that. We'll end on that. All right. That's a great place to end it. So that wraps it up. Big thanks to you, Sarah. Balancing Life's Issues, the Business Council of Westchester and Westchester's Ultimate Headhunter, the Headless Horseman. Be sure to check out the bcw.org for upcoming webinars and events, including Talent Tuesdays. Thanks again, Sarah. Thank you, Kai. All right. Until next time, everyone, take care.